excuse. <laughs> My feet, I can feel them, they're already swelling. And uh, and so I went and put on these shoes and I came back up here and he said, you're going to preach in that. <laughs> I was like, thanks. And, uh, and it's no secret, our family, we love to laugh. And we I can't help it because Noah, even up here playing the guitar, notices and he gets tickled and then Sawyer gets tickled and we just have to bow our heads and try to, to stay focused. <laughs> but... Uh, that's just our family. We laugh a lot, I guess, to keep from crying and pulling our hair out. But, uh, but that's it. Hopefully you're there tonight, uh, Mark chapter 13, verses 28 through 37. Tonight, the title of my message is simply uh, one word, and that word is watch. Watch. Last week it was watch and pray, and, uh, and that's still true for tonight. But just that one word just kept, uh, you know, I don't know, it was just in my heart, in my mind, I couldn't get away from it. Watch. And uh, the definition of watch, or one of the definitions, is to look at or observe attentively over a period of time. You know, you can just look at something casually, but to watch, you're truly watching. You're, you're picking up on cues, you're, you're, you're observing things, you're very, you become detail-oriented, and we were actually talking about that last night, by nature, and I get it um, from my dad, I'm a very detail-oriented person, I, I see details, Jason laughs, because I can be riding down the road and someone going in the opposite direction, and I'll say, did you see that girl's shirt she had on? He's like, no, Summer. How did you? You shouldn't be seeing it either. But I just notice things. I pick up on things. So that's the meaning of this word watch uh, that we find Jesus using in this portion, these passages of scriptures. And tonight's uh, passages of scripture, the Lord is giving his last description of the end of what's to come. And with that description comes a promise and a command to watch. We are commanded to watch, to be on guard. I don't think that there has ever been a time in history such as today that that command wholeheartedly must be heeded to. We've got a lot of things playing out before our eyes that we need to be watching and we need to be praying. We need to be watching. We need to know uh, what's going on. So watch and pray. The signs are everywhere that Jesus is coming soon. Today was a great big flashing sign. And I don't have to elaborate. You know what took place today? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. When to such a great extent of evil and wickedness, and I say that without fear or reservation, <laughs> True evil and wickedness that has now taken its place as the head of our nation. Jesus is coming soon. He is. But we have a responsibility to watch and to pray. And, uh, and that goes for every believer, not just for the pastors, not just uh, for evangelists, for those in leadership, for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. We have that um, command to us. The signs are everywhere. Uh, and I just keep thinking about the song, I Can Almost Hear the Father. 
saying, son, go get my children, because at the midnight cry, we'll be going home. That should excite us. I saw, and it was so funny because after I'd already written that down, uh, I was back on Facebook and Tonda Cable had posted that song, Midnight Cry, uh, sung by Joseph Larson. And I love that song. That's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and I just thought that was uh, ironic that she posted that right after I had written this down. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and read tonight Mark chapter 13, verses 28 through 37. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves. You know that summer is near. So you in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass away till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. That one word. Watch. Verse 28. This passage, this scripture, uh, Jesus uttered nearly 2,000 years ago. And it refers to the rebirth of Israel uh, as it began in 1948. And if you will notice, if they put the slide back up with the sermon title on it, I put on it, that's actually a fig tree in Israel budding. The, the leaves are budding, uh, the, the fruit is budding, getting ready to come forth. So I want you to, to take notice of that. It's not just some weird-looking thing. It had significance. It's actually the fig tree uh, in Israel. Uh, but get this, for about 1,900 years, this fig tree produced nothing. For 1,900 years, the fig tree produced nothing, absolutely nothing in Israel. Now, Jesus was very clear what the sign would be when the fig tree began to put forth her branch again, right, and bear fruit. But now this tree is taking life from the roots and is beginning to put forth leaves. Nineteen years of nothing, but because its root was good. The Lord had dropped in my spirit several years ago a rotted root can never produce good fruit. But a root that is right, I don't care how long it's been dormant. When God says it's time, it will bring forth fruit. Now that right there could preach. And when the Lord began to open that up to me and I just started thinking uh, about that, that's not why I'm preaching tonight, but it will preach. But, but think about what are you rooted in? tonight. Where are your roots? Are you rooted in cold, dead religion? That never saved anyone. 
That never healed anyone, never did anything for anybody. Maybe you're rooted in the world chasing what man has to offer, or are you rooted by the river, the river of life, where anything that the river touches, it shall live. And that's what this fig tree is showing. In its roots was life laid dormant for 1,900 years. I want you to get this tonight. The Lord may have promised you something a long time ago. There's the root of that deep inside of your heart, and, and it's been a long time coming. And the enemy may be con trying to convince you it's not going to happen. Don't you see what's going on in the world? You know, that, the Lord didn't tell you that. I'm here to tell you tonight, hold on. Because if the root is right and it's there and the Lord's placed it there, life will come forth. When that happens, I don't know. But it will happen because God said it would. So hold on to that. So I'm going to get back to my message. Israel is God's prophetic time clock. Always has been always will be. And by looking at Israel, we know that summer is near. The end time prophecies are about to be fulfilled. And I truly don't know how anyone could see all of the scriptures in the word of God concerning the coming restoration of Israel and see what's happening now with Israel and not understand that Israel is still a viable part of the great prophetic plan of God. That's beyond me, right? That is beyond me. Despite Israel's problems with the Palestinians, still she is hands down the most powerful state in the entirety of the Middle East and, in fact, in the entirety of the world. That's why it's so important for us to pray for Israel. Our now previous administration did more for Israel than any other administration ever has. And for that, I'm grateful. And I'm not going to take the time tonight to go through all of those accomplishments. You can look them up. But uh, they did leaps and bounds beyond what any other administration has ever done to secure Israel, to, to, make, to let them know that America is truly her ally that they could count on us. And, uh, but our new administration, I'm here to tell you, will do as quickly as possible all that it can to undo and destroy Israel. How can I say that? Because I know what they believe. It's no secret. They didn't try to hide what they were running on or, or running for. We need to pray for Israel now more than ever. Why? Well, one, because the Lord told us to, and that's the most important reason. We need to pray for this current administration that the Lord would move upon their hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. We know it's not by power nor might. We could go in with weapons and, and fists and, and all of these things, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. We need to pray for a moving of the Holy Spirit like never before. Because our lives, our freedom, Israel's freedom, protection at this moment in time depends on it. We know ultimately the Lord has the last word. and He's got all things in control. But it is our responsibility to pray for Israel. Verse 29. Um, 
says, so in like manner when you shall see these things to come uh, to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. So what things when we see come to pass? False messiahs, signs and wonders, uh, the putting forth of the fig tree. And let me tell you, all of these are happening everywhere you look. Um, you can turn on multiple uh, that they call religious television stations. You shouldn't stay there long <laughs> because something inside of you should be saying, turn it, turn it, turn it. These people are crazy. This is not true. They're false messiahs. There's wars, rumors of wars, signs, and even wonders. But all of these things are signs to know that it's at the door, right? The end time is out the door. There's no doubt that many Jews, as we've talked about the last couple weeks, will accept Christ as their personal Savior during the Great Tribulation. And thank the Lord for that. And they will read these words that I just read to you tonight, and they will get comfort and encouragement from these words. Right now, they've dismissed them. They've turned a deaf ear to them. They, they don't put any stock in the word of God in the New Testament. But one day, on that day, as the great tribulation comes to an end, they will read these words and they will gain encouragement. They will gain strength uh, from them. There is absolutely no reason for the world to be uh, in ignorance concerning the end time events. No reason at all. Why do I say that? Because we have the word of God. And it tells us everything that we need to know concerning this time. However, ignorance prevails because most pe people simply don't believe the word of God. You can't believe what you don't read. And most people don't read the word of God. But even worse, where does the church as a whole stand and all of this, and being aware and knowledgeable of end-time events. See, only a small number are rightly interpreting these passages referring to the end times. Jason and I had a conversation about that. Um, you know, we go through lots of commentaries. We read behind a lot of people. And it's sad to say that a lot of people interpret verses incorrectly. And they're totally off base uh, in their interpretation of them. Well, how do you know you're right? Because I trust the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and when you go back and you search things out and you trace things down and, and you allow the word to confirm itself over and over again, that's how you know it's true. Don't just take somebody's word for it. Search it out for yourself. You see, the modern church, at least for the most part, little cares about end-time prophecy. Why? Because there are treasures in this world, and it's not in heaven. And that's a sad truth. That's a sad reality. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the word. 
But most Christians have their attention, their heart, and their thinking on the things of this world. They have, uh, therefore, little interest in what pertains to eternity. And that's sad, but it's true. I've watched street preachers uh, interview people and ask them questions, simple questions, about end-time events. And for the most part, not one can give a correct answer that lines up with the word. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Why? Because they don't care. Why? Because it's not preached. It's not taught. And uh, Jason put a post today, uh, the church... How did it go? What we failed to confront, what the church has failed to confront is now confronting us. And that's true. We have the word of God to, to give an answer, to give an explanation for everything that we are facing today as a nation. But yet the majority are ignorant because they don't know the word. Now it's not too late. I'm not saying that to throw stones but open your word. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to give you wisdom, to lead you and guide you, and he will do that. That's what he wants to do. But are you willing to sacrifice the time to put down the phone, to turn off the screen, and open the word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart? Because he will. You've just got to make time for it. Paul, uh, the simple reason um, that the church is abandoning the word of God, um, which says too much and at the same time says very little, uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 1.17. He says, For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now that right there tells us that the Holy Spirit through Paul tells us exactly what the gospel is. It's the cross of Christ. And you will find, uh, we were actually talking about this last night uh, with an individual, that when you begin to reference the message of the cross, use that phraseology, I guess you could say, people want to shut you down. They don't want to listen to you. Why? Because it stirs up that religious spirit inside of them. Because when you have an understanding of the cross realizing that I can't do anything without Christ and everything that I will ever have need of was accomplished on Calvary. That strips man of his religious toys, so to speak, things to make them feel good. And they don't want to have anything to do with that. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, he says, For we, uh, for I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ in him crucified. He says, we preach Christ crucified. That was his message. And unless the cross of Christ is properly understood, that's the meaning of the new covenant, then nothing else about the Bible will be properly understood either, meaning end time prophecy. That's how so many of the commentators go wrong because they are looking at things and trying to dissect Scripture at such a surface level with little to no understanding. I've said it over and over again. Before I came to the revelation uh, and received the true message of the cross, which is just the true interpretation of the Word of God, I couldn't make the Old Testament make sense in my mind. It didn't really line up. But once I did, everything began to flow.
every, I, I saw Jesus on the pages where his name was not even mentioned because it made sense. Everything pointed to Jesus. But it wasn't until I began to, and I'm still understanding, I'm still beginning to understand, not one of us have arrived, but when we come to that place and realize that I've got to have an understanding of the cross, a simple understanding of the cross, then end time events are not going to make sense. Things are not going to make sense. Verse 30, I'm trying to get through this, uh, of Mark chapter 13. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. And this is one of the main verses where a lot of commentators uh, differ in their interpretation because you've probably heard it from the time you were little. Uh, oh, your generation's not going to pass away. You know, they like to use that scripture verse, that the, you know, the coming of the Lord's so close that this generation's not going to pass away. And, and that's been going on since the dawn of creation. Um, pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers have used this scripture to try to, a lot of times it's to scare people <laughs> into coming to the Lord, which, you know, that very rarely works. A person will come and make an emotional, you know, thing, but then it fades away because it wasn't truly the Holy Spirit drawing them. They just didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> they wanted to just pray away conviction. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. I accept Jesus. And then... You know how the story goes. But what this is truly referring to is the last generation before the beginning of the kingdom age. The generation that will be on this earth when the great tribulation takes place. That generation will not pass away. Why? Because we know, we talked about it last week, there will be those who in their mortal bodies will actually walk in to the millennial reign. They will not have glorified bodies, so that generation will not pass away. Now, I'm not saying that it's not going to be this generation of people, because again, the signs of the times are everywhere. It could be, but maybe not. We don't know. But that's what that verse is truly pertaining to. This proves that all these things will be fulfilled in one generation, actually less than one, and all the predictions in uh, Revelation chapter 6 through 19, and of course I don't have time to read that tonight, uh, will take place during this seven-year span. A lot of things are going to be happening during that time. And I encourage you to go and read Revelation chapter 6, through 19. Uh, again, I know I've hit uh, several of those verses throughout those chapters the last several weeks, but just to get a good grasp and a, the mind of what's truly going to take place um, is just mind-blowing. Like I said, it could be this generation. So the word watch, be ready, be alert, because it could be any day. And now that's talking about the Great Tribulation. But before that, we know what's to happen. The rapture. The rapture of the church. So we should be on guard. We should be watching for the return of Jesus Christ. And the rest of the world's not going to see Jesus when the rapture takes place. Only the believers will meet him in the air. That's what the word tells us. But at his second coming, everybody is going to see him. Everybody is going to know who he is. Verse 31. Uh, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not 
pass away. Uh, it could have been better translated, heaven and earth shall pass from one condition to another. Because that's what's going to happen. It's going to change. This earth is still going to be here. It's not going to mean total annihilation of the earth. It's just going to change from one condition to another. It's going to be restored. It's going to be made right again when Christ comes back at the second coming. And again, that's a scripture verse that a lot of commentators vary on. Um, Peter addressed this when he said, But the day of the Lord will come uh, as a thief in the night. Second Peter 3 and 10. That's Second uh, Peter 3 and 10. There we go. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Right? That's what it's talking about. This doesn't speak of complete annihilation, but rather passing from one condition to another. Um, Jason just preached about the flood that came in and wiped out the entirety uh, of the population on the earth. But this time it will come back with fire and it will purify. That's what the fire is going to represent, purification coming upon the earth. That's what's going to happen. But the earth itself, the picture we see of the earth, the earth will always be. It will always be here, but it will be made new. It will be made the way the Lord intended it to be. The phrase, but my words shall not pass away, uh, means that heaven and earth will change, and in fact will, um, will change, but his word will never change. Why do we put so much stock in this world and everything that it has to offer when the only thing that will ever uh, amount to anything and last forever is the Word of God. If you could buy stock in the Word of God, that's what you should do. But that's laying up treasures in heaven. That's what that means. Making it a priority of your life to know the Word of God, to allow the Word of God to get deep down inside of you. Man is going to attempt to take everything it can from us, and we'll succeed. We can only hold on for so long. We only have so many bullets. Some people have more than others. Uh, but eventually, all that will remain that cannot be taken from us is the word that we've hidden in our hearts. And how much of it do we have in us tonight? I'm here to tell you that all of us could have more. All of us should desire to have more and more and more of the word of God. Because we can never exhaust it. In fact, God's word is always unchangeable. In truth, it's the only thing that is unchangeable. Malachi 3 and 6. Did I give you that one? For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Uh, on that day, heaven and earth, everything's going to change. But on that day, everything that's on heaven and earth will bow before the Lord. Everything, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Verse 32. 
Um, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son of Man. Now this right here can get uh, a little tricky. A lot of people are confused because it's saying that Jesus didn't even know, doesn't even know uh, when this will take place. At that time that he was speaking, you have to remember, you have to know, he was 100% man. Yes, he was 100% God, but he did not use his deity while he was here on earth to just, you know, whip things up like we think we would do. Oh, I would have been turning all kind of stuff into, you know, different things. No, he never did that. So at that time, he had a limitation. It was um, self-imposed limitations of incarnation. And I know that sounds big and crazy, but it just meant that while he was here on the earth as a man... He did not know the hour. Now, those limitations are lifted. Why? Because he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is omnipresent, omnipotent. Uh, he's all-knowing. He's everywhere. Those limitations are now gone. But at this moment in time when he was speaking to his disciples, he did not know. Only the Father in heaven knew when that day would come. And that trips a lot of people up. I thought he was all-knowing. He is. But for that moment in time when he walked upon the earth, he laid that aside. And he was 100% man. But now as he's in heaven, he knows it all. Right? Verse 33. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. Uh, now, time itself is not that important. But watchfulness is. See, we always want to place the importance on the wrong place. We get called up. Oh, I wonder when it's going to happen. Time is not the, the main object of this scripture verse. But watchfulness is. Watching and praying. That's the main part of this scripture. The idea is a state of watchfulness which is seasoned by prayer. I'm going to tell you tonight, if as a believer you do not have a strong prayer life, then these predictions will grow more and more dim. That's what's happening in the church. They don't even recognize things anymore. They don't even see signs of the end because they're so called up and what's going on. I'm telling you the truth. If we truly understood how close the return of the Lord is, I don't think one of us could get up off the ground from being on our face before the Lord, crying out to him for mercy and grace for the unsaved. It's that close that that should be our posture each and every day, that we're crying out to him because it is so close. Again, it's not when but it's, are we watching? Are we praying? Are we ready at all times? First Thessalonians 1, uh, 1 and 10 tells us, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And then First Thessalonians 5 and 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Concerning the rapture, um, John actually said, and every man who has his hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure, meaning that I don't care if you are saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost, you need to be laying yourself on the altar 
before the Lord each and every day. Lord, search me. Lord, know me. Purify me. Lord, I know I'm saved. I know I'm good to go. But Lord, there's a lot of junk that's still inside of me that needs to go. I want to be more like you. We need to be doing this on a daily basis. Verse 34, for the Son of Man is a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Christ is speaking of himself uh, when he will go back to heaven, which he did. This happened. He told his disciples, I'm going to go away. I'm not always going to be here. So he used this as an illustration. He left this earth and went back to heaven where he resides at this very moment. Seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints, for you and for me. So who left his house? Uh, that verse right there is talking about the church. Matthew 16 and 18. Uh, it says, And I say also unto thee, thou, that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against this. This means that the Lord Jesus Christ is a very active head in the church. He's not passive, as a lot of people think. A lot of times we think, this is my church. This is my ministry. No, it's the Lord's. Because I can't handle it. I can't handle y'all. <laughs> y'all a mess. No, I'm a mess. But it's his. You're his people. Right? We can never forget that, that he is in charge. He's involved in his church. How? Through the person and the office of the Holy Spirit. And considering the price that has been paid, speaking of the cross, which was made, uh, made the church possible, he should be involved. And those churches that have closed out the moving and the operating of the Holy Spirit, they're not a church. That's not what the Lord was talking about. When he said upon this rock, that's just a social gathering where the Holy Spirit is not wanted, not invited. He will surely leave. And, and Ichabod will be written over the door of the church. However, when John in his vision saw the church of Laodicea, uh, John had a, a vision, and he talked about the church 2,000 years ago, and he saw seven uh, golden candlesticks. And this part right here has always gotten me. And, it, and the golden candlesticks talk about the, they represent the seven churches um, through the church age. And uh, Jesus was standing in the midst of those seven churches. But then in his vision, he saw the church of Laodicea, which is right now. That's the time that we're in, the church of Laodicea. Instead of Christ being in the church, he was on the outside, knocking on the door. The time that we're in right now, that's what this is talking about. Revelation 3, 14 through 22, and this is the last big portion of scriptures I'm going to read to you. And unto the angel of the church... Of the Laodiceans, right. These things saith, saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out 
of my mouth. This is the church that we're talking about today. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with the eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even, also I, even I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's the word of God. He's on the outside knocking. And are we going to open the door and let him come in? I know that last night uh, we have prayer on Tuesday nights. And, and during prayer, I don't know, and I sensed it, and, and I'm sure it was true of others that were here, there was just kind of a weeping spirit that filled the house last night. And I think that's why. Because the church for so long has closed the door to the Lord. And he's just on the outside. He's a perfect gentleman. And he's on the outside just knocking. Can I come in? So this beautiful illustration that was given here in Mark at the end, talking about the master who goes away and to watch, he gave uh, authority, he gave a command to the preacher to the porter of the house, are you going to wait for me to come to the door so that you can open it, so that I can come in? But then, too, to every believer, as he knocks on the door of your heart, he desires to come in in, in an even greater way than you could ever imagine, more than he ever has before. So that portion of Scripture, it should break our hearts, realizing all that Christ has done for us, and yet he finds himself on the outside of the majority of churches. And this is not a one and done thing. This is not a one-time thing. We, we need to invite the Lord in each and every day because through attitudes, actions, reactions, we close the door to the Lord of our, on, on our hearts. We close that door over and over again. We get aggravated, we get frustrated, and that door closes. And then he just stands there knocking, can I come back in and help? Can I bring comfort to you? Because that's what he wants to do. And all you have to do, Lord, I open my heart. Come in, Lord. Come in. And he says he will. He will sup with us. And it'll be a great time. Verse 36, less coming suddenly. He finds you sleeping. And the majority of the church... Oh, I skipped 35, I'm sorry. The two go together. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house comes, at evening or midnight, or at cock crowing or in the morning. Verse 36, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. How's he going to find you? 
How's he going to find us? Are we going to be awake, being watchful? You know, uh, in, in that time, the Roman power in Judea, um, the Jewish, the Jews of that day copied their method as far as having soldiers stand watch. And there were four watches that they broke it up um, into. The, the first watch would have begun at 6 p.m., and continued until 9 a.m. The second watch would have begun at 9 um, p.m. and ended at midnight. The third watch at midnight and then at 3 a.m. at the cock crowing and then 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And if they were found, if those soldiers were found sleeping, they would have been beaten. I mean, it would have been horrible because something could have happened, right? What they were supposed to be protecting what they were supposed to be fighting for, on guard for. But this is referring to the coming of the Lord. Are we being watchful? Are we being on guard, realizing that he could come at any moment? And have we done all that we can do to ensure the safety of others? How do we do that? Give them the gospel. Lead them to the Lord. Point them to the cross. That's our responsibility. And finally, lastly, verse 37. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. For Jesus to be as elaborate as he was in this explanation, even to repeat himself several times, the word watch, pray in this small portion of scripture, we should realize the seriousness of his words. We are to watch. We are to be on guard. Um, the principle of these statements pertaining to us concern uh, our consecration in our everyday life. We are to live as if Jesus may come at any moment. At any moment. And with the way the world is going right now, I know my prayer has been for some time now, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because I just don't know how much more, right? I just see it. I, I feel it. But God, while we're still here, while we're still in the waiting, let us be found faithful. Let us not be found sleeping on the job. If you fell asleep on your job, what's going to happen? You're going to get fired, right? You wouldn't... You would do all that you can to stay awake. You drink five-hour energies or SPNs or whatever. But what are we doing to keep ourselves awake? How do we do that? We ask the Lord to stir up a desire, a hunger, and a thirst for his word, for his presence, for the leading and the guiding of his Holy Spirit. And that's what's going to keep us watchful. Why? Because we're going to be in tune with what's going on around us. We're going to have discernment, and we're going to know. You should already know. The time is near, and we need to keep on keeping on. Now's not the time to turn around and go back, but now's the time to keep pressing on. Tonight, as you stand, Madeline's going to play a song, and I'm going to ask if, if you uh, can, for just a couple moments, come down, pray for this nation. Pray for lost loved ones. Intercede because the time is drawing near. So as the music plays, won't you come?
Thank you, Lord, for the words of that song. Pray hard, fear not. That's what we're to do. Lord, we come to you now thanking you, Lord, for the instruction, for the warnings that you've given us through your word, God. May we heed to those warnings, Lord. May we be a people who watch and pray, Lord. May we not get caught up in all that's going on around us, but we be true to your word, God. We not just quote it, but we live it, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for an outpouring, God, in these next services, Lord. Every time we gather together, when we just call on your name, Lord, that your Holy Spirit continue to pour out as you've always done, Lord. And we'll give you all the praise. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Don't forget Celebration of Life for Bobby Reichard Friday at 11 a.m. Um, I know Bobby Joe would love to see as many of you as possible. So if you can be here, uh, please do so. Uh, and... We will see you on Sunday, Sunday morning, 10.30, Sunday night, 6 p.m. Be blessed. In the